Welcome to the Laker Room Podcast. I'm your host, Ray G. And today we have a very special guest on the show with us. He is the host of the 30-Minute Mentor Podcast. He's an entrepreneur and leadership speaker. He's written articles in Forbes in regards to the Lakers personnel. And to top off all of that greatness, he is a hardcore Lakers fan. Let me just introduce Mr. Adam Miller. How are you, Adam? I'm great, and I'm excited to be on the show today. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. And, you know, I just want to get straight into it. I'm excited to do this with you. So how are you feeling about our Lakers? I was feeling great until the season got frozen. You know, we have a tremendous roster, and the team was positioned to, in my view, win it all. I think the Lakers have the best possibility if the season resumes to win the ring this year. The biggest issue to me is, are we going to have a rest of the season? So if by chance we can somehow get basketball back, I, I really like our chances. But to me, that's the bigger question. Right, right. I agree. I agree. We were rolling. We were literally rolling. I mean, we came from beating the Bucks and the Clippers back-to-back in one um, weekend, and then it just got frozen. I mean, I, w- I would like to add that, that Brooklyn was kind of a bad loss. <laughs> that yeah, was a little that bad was, That was a tough game, but look, at the end of the day, uh, Ray, you know this as well as anyone, being the hardcore Laker fan that you are. Laker Nation knows this. All hardcore basketball fans know this. Basketball, the NBA, is a marathon, not a sprint. The regular season has a lot of games in it. And at the end of the day, it's all about positioning yourself for that run in the postseason. And I think the Lakers were really on a great path to make a big push in the playoffs. So as a Laker fan, as a basketball fan, I don't really put too much stock into any one game. I really go back to that first game of the season when we played the Clippers. And um, I'm sure you remember that game. And um, everyone was kind of panicking. Oh, my God, the Clippers. That was intense. And it's hard to put too much weight into any one single game. But what you try to do as a fan, what you try to do as someone who loves basketball, who studied basketball, who – I can't say that I've played basketball at the highest levels, but I've played basketball at the lowest levels. Um, But certainly someone who appreciates the game. You try to recognize that there are games that really matter. And, you know, those are the games that are in the playoffs. And fortunately, as Laker fans, we've had the privilege of watching lots and lots of them. Yes, yes, yes. We're very spoiled. You know, we're very spoiled. And I think sometimes that hurts us. Because it's like one game, I've seen a lot of overreaction to, you know, that one game against the Clippers in the beginning. I didn't really feel any kind of way because you got to think you're putting two stars together in Anthony Davis and LeBron and you're adding these other pieces with, you know, Danny Green and everybody has to mesh and get it together. And then as you see the progression of the season go along, they got better and better and better. Hint their first seed in the West. And people thought it was a fluke. They thought it was a fluke. They are saying, oh, it's an easy schedule, you know, but the team is just a good team. 
It's just a good team. Um, we do have a little holes to me, in my in my opinion, and I would say the point guard. Yeah. You know, we got LeBron. You know, doing that majority of the time, but I'm just not a fan of Rondo at all. We could definitely use. I know that one of the things we were going to talk about was the Lakers roster, and yes. anyone listening knows where the strengths on the Lakers roster are. We have two strengths that no team can match. When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're going to be a title contender, period. With that said, I agree with you. We could definitely use some help at the point. I was bummed when uh, Collison decided not to come back. I was really hoping that he'd be our point guard during the stretch. I'm a Collison fan, and I think he's better than anyone we have on our roster now at point guard. But it kind of is what it is, and I think even with the hole at point guard, the Lakers are such a talented roster, and like you said, LeBron can run point and has run point. Um, Bradley's been pretty solid. He Bradley was playing really good basketball the last couple of weeks before the season shut down. So, yes, the roster is not perfect, but show me a perfect roster in the NBA today. I don't know that, that there is, is one. Yeah, you're right. Not even the Golden State Warriors, because if you if you want to, you know, say the Golden State Warriors in their run, they had a hole in the center yep. position. So you're right. There isn't no perfect roster. Um, and Bradley, I'm a fan of his. I was so glad when we picked him up. And I like I like Quinn Cook. Who did not like him? Yeah, I know Quinn Cook has. Um, some lovers and some haters among uh, Laker fans. But uh, he look, Quinn Cook has uh, had some really good games this year. He's hit some big shots. And he's, at the end of the day, he, the, Quinn, Quinn Cook loves being a Laker. And oh, yeah. That's got to be worth something, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you want people that want to be a Laker. If you don't want to be a Laker, you know, don't be a Laker. But something, you know, to be able to wear that purple and gold with pride, um, we look at it as fans differently. You know, you can tell LeBron also is loving being a Laker also. Um, Anthony Davis, he seems to like being a Laker. Um, so I like seeing that. I like Quinn Cook. I like, you know, his attitude. Some will say that he will be a defensive liability because he's so small. But at the same time, too, in that, in that same token, people got to guard him, too, because he's so good at offense. You know, my take is as follows. I don't think the Lakers win or lose a championship because of Quinn Cook. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yes, it's great to have a really, really deep roster. You know, you want everyone on your team to be as good as possible. But I, I just, on my podcast, which you graciously mentioned in the beginning of the show, 30-Minute Mentors, uh, I go one-on-one with a different, not necessarily a sports figure, it could be a CEO, it could be a founder, it could be a military leader. Um, but I did a couple of weeks ago have Rick Barry on my show, NBA legend. And um, I, bring, I bring that up because I'm sure you remember back when the Lakers had one of their runs, uh, one of Rick's sons was on the Lakers team, on the Lakers roster, and he spent most of his time riding the pine. So... At the end of the day, John Barry, um, you know, whether John Barry was a great player or an okay player or a mediocre player wasn't really pivotal to the Lakers' success. What mattered was, was Kobe hitting shots 
in crunch time? Was Shaq staying healthy? Was Ori, you know, hitting when Ori uh, hit his big shots, when Fisher hit his big shots? That's what really mattered. So you kind of need your key performers to stay healthy and to play well when it matters. So I don't really stress too much about Quinn Cook. I might be in the minority there, but I didn't really stress too much about John Barry back in the day. And I remember growing up, I had a lot of friends who, who obsessed over John Barry. So I think it's just a matter of perspective. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely. It's a team thing. It's a team thing. Like you said, you need your, your role players to step up. You know, the meta piece of his name. Yeah. Meta, of the world. Meta world piece. Great guy. Meta. Actually, a funny story, Ray, we, you and I were chatting off air a little bit, and I know that you're living in exile right now uh, in mm-hmm. Dallas. So mm-hmm. you're a little bit far from Laker Nation. I am based in Westwood, uh, and Meta is a presence in Westwood. I see Meta all the time. He's, I don't see him now during coronavirus because I don't see anyone during coronavirus. You, you can't really go out or you know, see anyone outside of the grocery. But before coronavirus, you know, anytime I'd walk to my car, I'd see Meta. Uh, he's, if you want to see Meta, just hang out in Westwood. He's a guy, great guy, really, really nice guy when you connect with him in person. Uh, good dude and great ball player. What a defender, my God. And what oh, a competitor. He big shots. Yes, he hit the big shots. Big, big three he hit. I'm like, and they were actually just playing that on. Uh, I think it was NBA TV or ESPN because that's all they're playing now is just the throwback games. But Ray, yeah, when you it, say big shot, you got to go to Big Shot Bob, who's Big Shot Bob, of course, <laughs> the guy when it comes to big shots. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, yeah, but you know the role players matter, and um, they've stepped up um, majority of the time when they needed to. The only game I can remember where they were just un, you know. Not theirs, the game against the Bucks. I think they scored eleven points or four points or something like that. Yeah, it was it was that's the only time I was really upset with the role players, but I think we'll be good to go. Um, I agree with you. I am I am one to say that we're gonna win it all for sure once it, it the NBA does resume. And once it does resume, what do you think how do you think we should resume? Do you think we should go straight into the playoffs or do you think that we should just go from where we left off at? It's a really good question, and I don't necessarily know that I have the answer to it, but I think that the answer is somewhere in the middle. I think that you can't – there's not really enough time to play out the rest of the season and then have a full playoffs and then have a full offseason and then – a training camp, and then you dive into the 2020-2021 season. There's just not enough time in the calendar for that. We don't really know when business will start opening up again. We don't know when social distancing will start relaxing. So what we do know is that um, as basketball fans, we need basketball. We have to get it back as soon as possible. And I think we're okay with an abridged um, way of getting there. I I think it would be problematic, though, to jump right into a playoff, some sort of playoff uh, format, because 
look, at the end of the day, players have been off for a while. Players need time to get back to doing what they do best. Um, I think that you probably need a couple of weeks of some kind of stretch to, to get players back to speed. I mean, it's unclear as to what kind of access a lot of the guys even have to facilities. Some players have home basketball courts, but a lot don't. So I, I think that it's important to at least leave enough time for teams to be able to ramp back up into playoff mode before the playoffs start. So I would try to find some kind of middle ground. How do you do that? That's a great question, and that's why Adam Silver gets paid the big bucks. That I, that is true. Cause I, I'm wondering, like, what if they do some type of tournament? Because I'm like, if they were to go straight into the playoffs, right, what happened to those teams that were right there, you know, that were right there, and they needed those, what, last 20 games yeah. to try to make that push? So I'm like, what if they do some kind of short tournament for those teams? Because we already, we obviously in, you know, the top, you know, teams are obviously in. We know who's going to, you know, play there. But it's those bottom seeds that need to really figure out, you know, what they would do. And I, I just don't think it would be fair for us just to go into the playoffs and then they don't have an opportunity. Because what if we were that eight seed? I agree or, with you, you know? Ray. I agree with you completely. I think that, look, I don't have a problem with the golden states of the world being eliminated from whatever theoretical tournament tomorrow. I don't think right. that a team like a golden state or a Cleveland that had a terrible regular season should be considered for any kind of tournament. So I'm not for a top to bottom, all NBA team postseason format, but I do agree with you that it wouldn't be fair to just say, okay, regular season is over. Whoever ended uh, the season when coronavirus hit in one of the top eight spots in the East or one of the top eight spots in the West is now a playoff team. Because that's not how it works. That's not how the rules work. So I am okay with some kind of compromise where maybe you take and again, I've thought about this a little bit in the shower. I can't say that I've spent too much time, um, you know, like on an Excel spreadsheet, really <laughs> you know, kind of crunching this out. But I have kids around a little bit. I, so maybe you take the top 10 teams in each conference and give the top two seeds buys or, you know, there, there are different ways you can slice it and dice it. But I, I think that, to me, you're looking for something that is fair. That's the one word that I would try to really emphasize in whatever solution I would go for if I was in any kind of decision-making role. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've thought about it, too. I'm like, how would they do this? What would they do? But again, like you said, that's what Adam Silver gets paid for. But as a fan, it is kind of fun to try to figure it out just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. I, like I said, I don't think that... They, they just can't, in my opinion, they just can't just say it's over, you know, next. But then, like you said, we they need some time to get back in game shape. So it, it, it just makes me think like, okay, the top teams are in, then you, you fight for the bottom teams, but then maybe you do a couple of games before you start the playoffs. Maybe you do um, 
five or ten games just to get them uh, back in shape. Yeah. And then do a tournament and then we'll go into the playoffs, you know, based on that's what comes to mind. And that's I don't know why, but that's the only thing that I think will be fair. I'm with you. I'm, I'm all for it. It is weird just to jump right back into it and just be like, okay, yeah, let's go. Yeah. The playoffs and, you know, I don't, I think we have in the AC right now, I want to say it's uh, the Grizzlies, which would be good for us. I think that's a clean sweep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm being a little too confident, but, you know, they did beat us. But I just think that'll be a clean sweep for us. Um, the playoffs is going to be very, very interesting. I know this is a Lakers podcast, but I will say the Grizzlies do have a lot of young talent. I don't think this oh, is yeah. the Grizzlies' year by any means. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about the Grizzlies as a first-round playoff opponent. But talk about a team with some talent. Talk about a team on the rise. My God, I mean, that's a roster with a lot of scary young talent. Oh, yeah. John Morant is something else. Guy can play. He is something else. I like that Grizzlies team. I really, really do. Um, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is another player that oh, stands yeah. out to me. And uh, Dylan Dylan Brooks, sure. another one. Sure. Like, they have a great roster. And I can't wait to see them grow. You know, I'm not just a Lakers, but I love the game. Um, so I've definitely been, you know, watching everybody. Been watching everybody. The Hawks with Trey Young over there. They're they're looking pretty solid. Also, he's you, a fun player to watch. So if you weren't a Laker fan, he's like a video. It's like watching that Ray. I don't know um, if you played NBA Jam back in the day, but no, Trey Young is like an <laughs> NBA Jam player. I mean, the guy is great. You just take him <laughs> and pull up from however, however many feet behind three point line, fire it up. He's smaller than anyone else on the court, but. So much quicker, and the guy can just score from anywhere. Amazing. Like a mini Steph Curry, kind yeah. of, you know? Yeah. A baby Steph Curry out there. Yeah. And he might even, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to say that. I would say he might have the potential to be better. I wouldn't um, go that far, but he's definitely a fun player to watch. Yeah. I mean, I guess I want to put his ceiling too high. Let me bring that back down a little bit. <laughs> But uh, you just don't know. Like I said, he, the way he can shoot from so far, and like I said, he's just a mini Steph Curry. He is definitely fun to watch. That The Hawks is another team that, that's on the rise also. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be. Just another good example of the importance of rebuilding in basketball. And, you oh. know, Lakers have had to learn the hard way that oh. you have to rebuild, you have to take your licks, you have to have some hard years before you – can return to the promised land. But yeah. uh, fortunately, we're back now. And a lot of other teams have kind of learned. I mean, look at the Knicks. That's a team that mm. has never really understood that you have to rebuild. A lot of other teams get it. The Grizzlies get it. The Hawks get it. Part of the challenge is when you're in a big market like L.A. or New York, you just sort of feel like, why? Ah, do we really have to rebuild? We can always attract retool. that big free agent. We can always retool, regroup. But the models seem to show otherwise. Yeah, we, we had to do it ourselves. I feel like we had to strip our team down, which yep. we really did. Yeah. We had to get rid of our assets and really start all over. 
uh, I wasn't sure how things would have went with Magic and Rob Lincoln. And I, I wasn't sure. I was just like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And the media killed them. Everybody was just killing them. Sure. And I mean, I'm going to say I was nervous myself. I was a little upset myself, but I always want to give credit when credit's due, and they've done a great job. Look, I think as a fan, you never like to see your players get traded, unless it's a player you hate. But assuming you like the players, and usually you tend to get some kind of emotional attachment to the players on your team. You root for them, you watch them, and you hate seeing your guys go. You hate seeing your guys get traded. But in reality, you have to give value to get value. It's very rare in professional sports that you can completely, you know, rape another team. How often does that happen? Not that often. Now, it oh, does happen from often. time to time. We yeah. all remember the Paul Gasol trade. Oh, yeah. But for every Paul yes. Gasol trade, you have 100 other trades where one team gave up some kind of value to get some other kind of value back in return. And the Anthony Davis trade was a great example of that. The Lakers got a generational player in Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a top five player in basketball. Could make the case that he's the MVP. You can make the, make the case that LeBron is the MVP, but definitely a top five player. And to get a guy like that, you're going to have to give up value. And to New Orleans' credit, they got a lot of value. So Ray, you're right. The Lakers had to strip down their roster to get a player of that caliber. They gave up a lot of really good assets. I've always been a big Lonzo fan. I know Lonzo has been criticized throughout his time with the Lakers, but I've been a big Lonzo guy from the time I started watching him play at UCLA. You mentioned that I've written a few articles in Forbes uh, and in Inc. about different Laker personnel. One of the articles I wrote was about Lonzo. And I've always been supportive of Lonzo. And it was just a matter of time until he started tapping into his potential. Unfortunately for Laker Nation, it's happening now with another team. We're seeing it with Ingram as well. I think Laker fans all have always loved Josh Hart. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's too upset having Anthony Davis on our roster. Absolutely not. I agree with you 100%. Lonzo has a unique set of tools. Um, a lot of people didn't understand it. Everybody wanted him to shoot. Everybody wanted him to be this big scorer. Um, I didn't, when it came to the trade, I was hoping that we could have kept Lonzo. Um, and because of the point guard situation, because of his vision. So that's why I was like, man. Uh, he, he would have been tremendous on this roster. Yes. What a great fit for this team he would have been. But Sports is all about the what ifs. Right. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes these that's what makes podcasts like these fun. Get to talk about yes. hypotheticals and what if and what if this and what if that. But right. in reality, it takes something to get something. You have to give to get in sports and business and life. And again, we had to give up a fair amount of talent to get Anthony Davis, but Hey, look, the proof is in the pudding. What a player Anthony Davis is. And if not for coronavirus, I think we'd be cruising toward another ring. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. He is great. I mean, he even had a fifty-point game already this season. So you know that that speaks volume right there. That speaks volume in his talents right there. I'm I'm just excited to have him on the team. Um, what do you think so far as us keeping him? I've seen an article in Yahoo. They're talking about he sold his um, I think it was his house in in Westlake. Yeah. Westlake is far, you know, it's far far from the Staples Center. I grew up in Tarzana, which is far from the Staples Center, too. It's far from downtown L.A. Westlake's even farther. Westlake is really far. So maybe Anthony Davis wants to live live a little bit closer to work. I live about a mile away from my office. I like not having to commute. In L.A., Ray, you used to live here. It's important not to sit in traffic. It's important not to have a commute. We don't want to spend our days and our lives wasting away on the freeway. When you live in Westlake, that's that's kind of rough. Maybe Anthony Davis wants to move to Westwood to live near me and uh, Meta. Uh, maybe that's his game plan. I don't know. It could be. And that's I didn't put in too much stock into that. I'm like, okay, people sell their house all the time. If he, you know, I don't, that didn't bother me at all. I think he's happy here. Obviously, I'm not him, but, you know, I think he's happy here. I think he knew what he was doing when he asked to be traded here. He knows the opportunity of being a Lakers player and the opportunity of of the current roster we have, the opportunity on and off the court, and you have LeBron James and, you know, all that great stuff. So I think that he's going to come back. I don't know what kind of contract he'll sign, although. Yeah. I'm with you, Ray. Now, clearly, as a Laker fan, my thinking might be clouded because we both obviously really want him to come back. But I'm with you. I think he comes back. I think he resigns. There's no reason for him not to resign. He sort of moved mountains to come here. And why would he move mountains to come here if he didn't want to be here? This is clearly the team he wants to play for. This is clearly the franchise he wants to be a part of. You know, it was made very clear to everyone. The Lakers have done everything since he's been here to make him want to stay. I mean, they've created the number one team in basketball with LeBron James, you know, the greatest player of our generation. I mean, I I grew up with Michael Jordan, so I mean, you know, depending on what your generation is, but greatest player in my view since MJ. And um, I know that might be controversial to some Laker fans uh, who, <laughs> but we can talk about that later or not. But um, but you you pair him up with LeBron, you pair him up with a roster with lots of really, really good complimentary pieces. Look at Dwight Howard. I mean, Lakers signed Dwight Howard for, a non-guaranteed contract, I mean, the guy's been unbelievable. And, you you know, great coaching staff. I, I think he's a Laker for the rest of his career. I hope he's a Laker for the rest of his career. Does he sign a lifetime contract? Probably not. I, I'm with you. I think he probably signs a shorter-term contract to provide some kind of flexibility, to provide some kind of leverage. That's what players of his caliber tend to do. You look at what LeBron has done, taking short-term deals and 
giving himself the ability to leave if and when it's in his own best interest to move on. Same with Kevin Durant. So I, I don't necessarily see Anthony Davis signing a five or six year deal, but do I see him coming back for at least two more years? Um, yeah, definitely. And after that, yeah, hopefully. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. The, the, the contract, I think I see him signing the one plus one. Um, being that he's with, uh, with LeBron's, um, who are they, Rich Paul? And then yeah. they're, they do yeah, a Rich lot of, of one plus one contracts, which I'm okay with as long as you come back. <laughs> Sign whatever contract you want, just come back. <laughs> That's all I ask. And then you got Braun, you know, what happens when he retires? Um, maybe he does a three year or two year, just the length of, of LeBron's contract. And then that gives us some more space and room to be able to sign another uh, max free agent. Sure. So I think that. Or maybe LeBron doesn't retire. Maybe he just continues to play at this level forever. Oh, I love that. Be good, I would it? love that. Yeah. Bring Bronny along. Bring Bronny <laughs> along. You know, the whole James family. Just sit on the bench and let's, Bryce, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Come on. We we got plenty of space for you. We'll move mountains. We make sure we got everything done and uh, the space for the whole team. <laughs> if we I'm, have with, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, now I want to say to me, our biggest threat, I want to say, and I hate to say this because I do not like this team. Yeah, I know, I know where you're going here, right? I you know, where I'm know going, exactly right? where you're going, but I'll let you say it. Go ahead. Because it's Clippers. your show. I'm going to let you spell it out. <laughs> the darn Clippers. Yeah. God. Yeah. That team is just, um. <laughs> Jerry West, it's our guy. We gave him away. <laughs> He's our guy. Yeah. Jeez. Oh man. That's my that's who I think our biggest threat is. I hate to say it, I'm but I'm realistic. I'm not gonna sit here and say that they're not a good team, that they don't have, you know, the pieces because they do. They are tough. You know, they, they are they're very tough. tough. They're scrappy. They play the game hard. They're a cohesive team. They've got a yes. lot of talent top to bottom. They've got a lot of depth. They really work. And they've got some athletes. Oh, so yeah. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, Ray. Ooh, they, they just, they just, that thorn. I think they are the, they're going to be the Lakers Achilles Hill, like um the Rockets, the Golden State were for the Rockets. They just can't get past them. I don't, I wouldn't say that we can't get past them, but I think that's the team that's going to test us the most. Definitely the biggest like, test. Hopefully, yes. taking a step back. Hopefully we have some more basketball this season. I think we're all we all just want to get back and be able to enjoy the game that we love. So let's just hope that we can actually watch some basketball. Now, assuming we can somehow figure out a way, even if there are no fans in the stands, we can get some kind of basketball back and finish out the season and have some kind of playoff run. I'm with you. I think the Clippers are the Lakers' toughest opponent. Hopefully we get by them. I'm not a gambler. Uh, I have friends who are. I have friends who will gamble on anything. You know, they're struggling now. They're struggling in coronavirus because what do you bet on when there's no sports to bet on? Right. But, uh, 
you know, if, uh, you don't think about these kinds of things. But if I did have, have to bet, I would put my money on the Lakers. I think the Lakers do get past the Clippers. I think we're a better team. I think we're a better team in the playoffs. I think Anthony Davis and LeBron are the better one-two punch. And I think the better one-two punch is a lot more important in the postseason. I think the Lakers get past the Clippers if we do have a postseason. But yes, the Clippers are definitely the Lakers' toughest opponent. You mentioned Golden State and and Houston. I mean, I I think back to some of those old Shaq-Kobe teams. And, you know, uh, Lakers had, you know, Sacramento and had Portland. And and those were some stacked rosters that they had to go up against back in the day. Um, And I know that, you know, you ultimately had to beat Eastern Conference to win the championship. But other than that one Detroit team that we lost to, it seemed like once you got out of the West, then it got easy. So, um, you know, yeah, Philadelphia, once we played Philadelphia, it seemed like it had already been decided. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Real question is, are the Clippers going to be like Portland and like Sacramento where they're tough, they're, the series are epic, but we prevail? Um, or is it like a Golden State-Houston where we fall short? I'm optimistic that if we can get some basketball back, that we take it this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I agree. I totally agree. And I think that one thing that stands about, out to me about the Clippers, I just don't trust Paul George at all. Like, he don't... He don't, he don't scare me at all. Um, Kawhi, eh, whatever. But Paul George is, is key to that team. And if he can't step up and help Kawhi and all the other teams, then, you know, they can just say goodnight. Period. Just go on, go on home. Well, you know, and just try again next year. Uh, the Lakers just have such a unique roster. They're pretty much one of the biggest teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to knock Paul George. I think Paul George is a great player. I think he's one of the best two-way players in basketball. I think he's one of the best players in basketball. And I think every Laker fan would love to have Paul George on the roster. But oh, yeah. at the end of the day, we're talking about two great teams. We're talking about the two best teams in basketball. And what a matchup that would be. Could you imagine if we could watch the Lakers and Clippers play each other? Sometime this summer. How fun would that be? That'd be great. That would be that would be great. I plan. See, I had a plan. My plan was this before the coronavirus came and shut everything down. So I said, all right, if we win a championship, I'm going to LA and I have to go to this parade. And I'm still trying to keep that plan. <laughs> I need to keep that plan. I need to get out there and walk with the Laker fans and, and watch them. We just hoping and praying that this coronavirus goes Ray, away. I think you should call or email or text message Anthony Fauci and let him know that because I think if he knows that you're planning on coming to LA for the Lakers parade, maybe he can make some arrangements. <laughs> hey, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Just let me know what I got to do to get this thing back going, and I'm doing it. That's I'm going to my do thought it. of the day. 
No, they can't, you know, it has to start all because I want to go back. So you know, <laughs> they got to open up everything. <laughs> so, you know, um, so yeah, what do you think about the Bucks? Do you think they're any type of threat to us? The Bucks are a good team. The Bucks are definitely a talented roster. I mean, Giannis is, I mean, talk about, we're just talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron being arguably the best players in basketball. You could make the same case for Giannis. And Giannis is, wow. And we could spend the entire podcast just talking about Giannis. Generational okay. player. Yes. But I think the Lakers are the team to beat. Yes. The Bucks don't yes. really scare me. They don't. They they still have to grow, in my opinion. They still have some growing to do. And surprisingly, they still got to get out the East. Boston is looking good with Jason Tatum. Um, and Toronto is not looking bad. So they still have some work to do, even though they – and in Philly. Let me, let me not skip over Philly. If they can get their injuries and all of that um, under control, they're definitely going to be tough. And I would love to see a Philly Bucks Eastern Conference Finals and then the Lakers – Clippers, East, uh, Western Conference Finals, and then the Lakers and whoever, me. I'm cool with that. I, look, I'm so you, that. you mentioned some really good teams in the East. I'm with you in that Eastern Conference has really good teams. I don't know that that – I'm with you. Look, the Bucks are probably the team to beat in the East. Do they emerge? I, I don't really know. It's anyone's best guess in previous years – the number one seed in the East wasn't necessarily the team that represented the East in the Eastern Conference. Some years it was, some years it wasn't. All those teams you mentioned have a shot. With all of that said, I think the Lakers and Clippers are just at another level relative to every team in the Eastern Conference. Boston is good. Um, I love Brad Stevens. I'm a huge Brad Stevens fan. I go on podcasts, I give talks about leadership, and somehow Brad Stevens' name always comes up. I'm, I'm always talking about Brad Stevens when I'm asked about leaders who I admire and coaches I admire, and, and Brad Stevens is someone who I'm a huge fan of, and you know, we can talk for however much time we have left about why Brad Stevens is such a great leader and why all leaders should learn from Brad Stevens. But none of those teams have LeBron, none of those teams have Anthony Davis, and none of those teams have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And in basketball, when you have two players of that magnitude on your roster, you're the team to beat. When we had Shaq and Kobe, we were the team to beat. It didn't really matter who else was on that roster. With all due respect to Derek Fisher and Rick Fox and... Robert Ory, and we can go up and down that roster. Um, it, it was those two guys. They were the guys that won the championship. You could have swapped out, you know, Rick Fox for whomever else, and the Lakers still win those championships, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yep. You're on it. You're, you're right on it. You're correct. It's, I, hope it's I hope Rick Fox isn't listening to this podcast and, and doesn't get too upset. <laughs> but one day, one day, one day, I hope he, he listens, listens in. And hey, it's just our opinion. 
our opinion. We're not we're not doing anything wrong. You know, we're just having a good a good basketball talk, which everyone could appreciate, right? Rick Fox is a lot you know? bigger than me, so so Rick, if you're tuning in, <laughs> I stand by everything I said. It is my opinion. It's my opinion after watching many many years of Laker basketball, but uh, I do appreciate the contributions you've made over the years. <laughs> And um, from everything I understand, you seem like a good guy. We got to give him a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> this is our disclaimer. <laughs> we appreciate the, 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 you know, the previous role players and the current role players. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have something for you. Now, I want to test your Laker fandom. You Uh-oh. okay with that? All right, let's do it. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do is. No Del Harris questions. No Del Harris. <laughs> are you going to ask me, are you going to ask me questions about Del Harris? I'm None. going to have to plead the fifth if you ask me about Del. <laughs> no Del Harris questions. I promise right. you. Okay. I'm going to ask you three questions, easy, medium, hard, and okay. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to answer them. Okay. Okay. Now, let me just right. get my clock ready to go. Uh-oh. So let's go. So, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. So, my first question is, where did the Lakers franchise begin? So, Minnesota. Now that was quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's correct. Now, I hope that was the hard one. Was that the hard one or the easy one? That's the easy one. All right. That's good. the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> so. The next question is, the Lakers hold the longest winning streak in the NBA. How many games straight did they win? Hmm. I don't know that. I can look it up know? on Google. I can look it up on Google as we chat, but I, I actually don't know that. I'm sure I did know it um, back when I watched games that Chick announced because I'm sure that I, – I, I remember as a kid knowing this, but tell me how many. What's the number? 30. That'll be 33, 33. straight. Okay. Yes. That's that's something to be proud about. I'm pretty proud of that. Definitely. <laughs> so now and I'm not proud that I don't know that, but now I do. No. Learn, yes. Ray, you learn something new every day. Absolutely. And I'm glad I can provide that for you. Thank you. <laughs> so now we're going to go to the hard one. This is Uh-oh. one that I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, what? Ray, if you don't um, know it, I'm, I don't even know it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. You might know it. You might okay. just might know it. All right. So the question is: During the 1960 off season, mm. what did the Lakers become? During the 1960 off season, what did the Lakers become? Yes. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? What is something that they became? They became a first in the NBA or something. Hmm. I'm not sure where you're going with this. So why don't you tell me? So the answer to that is the Lakers became the first West Coast team in the NBA. Okay. I didn't know that. Interesting. Did not know that at all. Interesting. So I'm like, let's, you know what? Let's do a, a pop quiz. We're going to learn something new about our team. Wow. <laughs> that's that's something, you know, I, I didn't think of that. Like I knew 1960 that they moved to. Los Angeles, I knew that, um, but I didn't know they were the first West Coast team. That's that's really interesting. I appreciate the trivia. 
<laughs> you know, I have to throw some fun in here. I definitely had to throw some little fun in here. Um, Wait, do you do podcasts for any other teams or just the Lakers? Just the Lakers. Okay. Just the Lakers right now. I thought about, I thought about dipping into a little more of a, a whole NBA atmosphere. So I might, I just might do the NBA as a whole. But because I, what I was going to say is, my favorite team, as I'm a huge Laker fan, love the Lakers. But my favorite team, and I hope this doesn't upset any of your listeners, is the Angels. I'm a huge Angels fan. Angels. Yeah, I love oh. baseball. As much as I love as much as I love basketball, I love baseball. I love the Angels. And when you said that the Lakers were the first team on the West Coast in 1960, something I'm going to throw out to your listeners if anyone tuning in is a baseball fan. The Angels' first year was 1961. So the oh. Angels were an expansion franchise and in 1961, they became the Los Angeles Angels. Oh, so see? That was when no. you said 1960, that was what I thought about. That's why I asked you if you do podcasts for any other team, because if you did an Angels podcast, I would probably be able to have a better shot at some of those trivia questions. <laughs> but um, but the Lakers one, I mean, I, you know, I love the Lakers. I, I love um, watching basketball. I love writing about basketball. I love the game. Um, I enjoyed playing it as a kid. Um, people loved playing against me because I wasn't that great. So <laughs> I think, you know, um, but I was actually a funny story. So when I was in junior high school, I was a power forward slash center. I was okay. a big guy, you know, and um, I wasn't very skilled, but I was very tough and gritty. And I threw my body around and I was a good rebounder. But then what happened was when I transitioned from eighth grade to ninth grade, um, from junior high school to high school, I stopped growing. And I went from playing power forward slash center to being too small to be point guard. So at mm. that point, yeah, at that point, you kind of needed to have some skill. And the fact that I didn't have any was a bit of a problem. So even though yeah. I was gritty and good at throwing my body around and doing all that kind of stuff, it didn't really matter all that much when everyone was bigger and better than you. So that was kind of the point where people were like, great, let's, yeah, I love seeing this guy on the floor. Let's play against him. <laughs> they target you, huh? I was the guy when, you know, when it's like five seconds left and the ball's in my hands, I'm definitely finding the open man and passing it to him. That's okay, man. That's okay. <laughs> A-okay. I got to say, I like the Dodgers. By the way, not only with five seconds left, but but anytime I had the ball, I was trying to find the open man. Pass shot- <laughs> because if I'm shooting the ball, we're in a world of hurt. <laughs> I don't want any expression. I don't want to hurt nobody. So here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I was street ball. Love playing street ball. I never played organized basketball at all. No AAU or anything like that. I just like to play on, you know, on my street. The kids and you know, I used to play against my brothers, my brother and cousins a lot. So it definitely made me tough, you know, as a female trying to play against some some grown teenage boys. And I'm like 10, 11, and they're like 20. Sure. <laughs> but I didn't back down. I tried my luck. But it's it's just fun. I love playing the game. Um, I love to watch it. Um, I know you said that you did 
some writing. How did you get into that aspect of, you know, sports of the, the Lakers? So, you know, I, it's kind of an interesting story. So I'm an entrepreneur. My um, time is divided between a number of different things. I do some writing, some speaking, uh, have my podcast, which we talked about 30 minute mentors where I go one-on-one -on -one with the most successful people in the country for 30 minutes every week. But um, kind of my main background, my main job, so to speak, is as an entrepreneur, I've built out a few different businesses and in different industries. And um, I really started writing because I thought it would be a good way for me to gain exposure for my different businesses. Thought that if I could write in these different publications, people would pay attention to my businesses. In reality, it didn't really drive much business to my companies, but it kind of drove attention to my writing. So um, it had this unintended consequence of, um, you know, me diving even deeper into writing and into thought leadership. And I just like writing about things that I'm interested in and things that I think other people will be interested in. So I, I do a lot of writing about leadership and about business, entrepreneurship, management, marketing, sales, all those kinds of topics. And what I try to do is I try to make those subjects relatable and interesting. So, you know, sports, what's more relatable than sports? What's more interesting to most of us than sports? So I'll try to pull in examples from sports and use them to illustrate points that people who are reading my content will be able to learn from. I wrote an article a couple of months ago in Inc. Magazine on what entrepreneurs can learn from Ed Orgeron. And it was just an idea that I had. I thought that, you know, after LSU won the championship, everyone was kind of interested in Coach O. I remembered Coach O from my days as a college student at USC. He was a position coach going back to my freshman year at USC. Uh, my freshman year was actually the first year that Pete Carroll was coach at USC. And, um, you know, Coach O had sort of had these ups and downs in his career. And I thought that there were a lot of interesting lessons that can be drawn from his experience um, that would, would be very relatable to entrepreneurs. So I, I turned that into an article. Uh, I did a couple of similar things with um, Laker personnel, which we kind of talked about. Uh, I've done similar things with players on the Angels. We talked about my love for the Angels for baseball. So I, I try to just weave in examples um, and topics that I find interesting and that I think readers would find interesting as well. Okay, that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. So where's some, you know, where could the listeners find some of the things you wrote? I know some of the Forbes and Inc. Where else would they be able to find it? Yeah, yeah I try to make it really easy for, for anyone interested in my content or connecting with me. Um, I have everything on my website. So if you go to adammendler.com, just my name, adammendler.com, I have a page there where I link to different articles I've written in Forbes and Inc. and Huffington Post. Um, I also link to my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, and try to make it easy. I also will share things periodically on my social media 
uh, at Adam Mendler on Instagram, at Adam Mendler on Twitter. Um, so those are a few different ways that we could connect. Yes, it's definitely interesting for sure to be able to you know read some of the things you wrote. Um, I, I'm going to check it out myself and, and read some of your articles, and I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some gems from you. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. <laughs> For sure. I know I'm going to get some entrepreneur. So how is it, your entrepreneurship? How is that going? Is that, you know, how's business? It's good. I mean, uh, we're, we have three different businesses that we run. Um, our, our primary business is actually an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs. And despite the name Beverly Hills, it's a national company, so we sell office chairs across America and actually across the world. We have customers in countries outside of the U.S. as well. But uh, what we do is we sell the most in-demand chairs. So Herman Miller Aeron chairs. I don't know if you're familiar with the Herman Miller Aeron chair, but the Herman Miller Aeron chair is the number one selling office chair ever made. Um, and then there are other chairs like the Herman Miller Mira chair and the Steelcase Leap chair. These are chairs that sell for over $1,000 per chair that people love and companies love. And what we do is we buy them refurbished. We resell them. At, we buy them refurbished. We, we Excuse me. We, we buy them. We refurbish them. And then we resell them. Um, I, I had a little bit of a word salad over there, but uh, okay. no, but what we do is um, we essentially offer these chairs that customers really, really want at about 50% off retail. So a chair that would normally cost say $1,200, we could sell for five to $600 because we've refurbished them. They look like brand new chairs functionally, aesthetically. We offer a lifetime warranty. So that's, that's kind of our bread and butter. And before coronavirus, our core customers were small to medium-sized businesses. So we sold to lots of financial services firms, tech companies, law firms, accounting firms, universities. We actually sold some chairs to the U.S. Senate. We've sold chairs to you know, all kinds of businesses. And once coronavirus hit, our customer completely changed. Now we're selling to home offices. Because everyone is trying to figure out how can I work most productively from home now that my home is also my office. And that starts with the place you sit in all day. It starts with your workstation. It starts with your chair. So we've been getting lots and lots and lots of orders from customers all over America who know these kinds of chairs, who want these kinds of chairs, and who see good things about us and see that we have great pricing and great products and um, come to us. So, so that business has been good. A couple of our other businesses have definitely gotten hit um, by Corona, but all you can do is roll with the punches. We have a, a company called Custom Tobacco, where if you go to customtobacco.com, you can create your own fully customized private label cigars in real time. So if you want to create a basketball oriented cigar where, you know, you design um, 
literally any kind of logo, any kind of design you want to put on your cigar, you can. Um, that one's gotten hit hard by coronavirus because most of our customers are event planners. We do a lot of events and there are no events right now. And a lot of gifts. Think about you want to buy the perfect gift for the man in your life. It could be your husband, your boyfriend, your brother, your dad, your uncle, your boss, your client, whomever. Um, it's, a, it's a great gift product. And I don't think people are thinking too much about giving gifts right now. But right. Um, hopefully it'll turn around sooner than later, and I'm sure we'll be back. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's something good to know. And I, the reason why I asked that is because I'm saying that with the coronavirus, it shut down sports. And I'm like, I understand, you know, you have um, a whole business going on. So I was just curious to know how did that, you know, impact you on that and on that aspect of, you know, your life. All you can do is really just try to stay as positive as possible and try to push forward. I agree. I work in financial, so I work for a mortgage company. It hasn't slowed it. It slowed it down a little bit because uh, people, you know, really not buying housing and stuff right now. But as far as my job, nope, I still got to work. You know, sure. I'm still working, sure. still here, everything, still the sure. same. I'm just working out of my living room. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Hopefully you have a good chair. I had to buy a game chair because I had this. I actually fell out the chair the first day. Funny story. Fell out this chair. It was a stool that I bought, and it was uncomfortable because it was taller than the table I was sitting at. And I tried to call myself fixing it, and I fixed it. I took an extra piece out and forgot to put some screw back. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "What is wrong with this chair? This chair feels weird." Next thing I know, boom, I'm on the floor. So. <laughs> I had to go invest in another chair because I was on the floor with that one. So um, it's good to hear about the chair business again. <laughs> I know some of us may need it. <laughs> I know I did. I definitely know that I needed the chair. So, Adam, I would like to thank you for coming on the show. You are more than welcome to come on the show anytime you want to. This was awesome. I mean, next time you have me on the show, I might have to do a little bit of homework in advance so I can do better on some of those trivia questions. <laughs> but other than that, this was amazing. What a fun experience to be able to spend an hour talking about the Lakers, talking about basketball. What better way to spend an hour than doing just that? Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. And make sure you go ahead and go follow Adam on all his social media platforms and make sure you guys go ahead and check out his website. Also, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at RAE underscore G33. Follow me on Instagram at Laker underscore Room Pod. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Have a good one. Adam, you have a good day too. Thank you so much again and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Good day.